Hi, Cody Alexander. Welcome to the Art of X show. Yo, usually I am a solo show, but today I brought in my good friend, uh, Sean Syed, who is the director of communications for Sumer Sports. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. In fact, Sean and I became really close because he followed me around my last year of coaching football, which I'm sure was a learning experience for him uh, as well. And it was nice to have him around. Uh, so I consider Sean family. I'm excited to have him on. So Sean, thank you for being here. Kind of, you know, introduce yourself and kind of tell everybody what you do and, and, kind of about our relationship Cody you mean so much yeah it was a really fun time you know one of my first years in Texas growing up in New Jersey visiting all these different sorts of places seeing you know different offenses different defenses different kinds of schools different kinds of teams and it was a really really unique experience you know hearing firsthand from you seeing defense that you were implementing in the offseason with those kids it was it was a lot of fun for me and yeah now I'm at Sumer Sports full-time having a lot of fun over there doing some fun projects internally and then on the outside writing some articles at sumersports.com. I'm excited, you know, this whole season to be writing up stuff. You know, I know, you know, I'm a defensive guy at heart, but obviously we started on the offensive end with that Shanahan article, but going to be a fun season for both of us this year. Yeah. And I'll make sure to link that Shanahan article in there. It's really good. He kind of breaks down the basic run, uh, kind of the basic run game in the Shanahan system, which obviously uh, is the foundational deal. I do want to talk to you a little bit about what was your experience? Cause I think, you know, a lot of people see me as just like a talking head on here or on Twitter, but they don't necessarily know uh, kind of what it was like. Life school was such an interesting place. You know, I did get to coach with my dad, but we were fighting an uphill battle pretty much every day. Um, and just to get kids out and just to just to play, you got to go to a, kind of some a 4A football in Texas is a little bit different than the 5A, 6A that I think a lot of people see on TV and, and from around. So just kind of kind of give a few kind of tidbits from that. Yeah, I think it was really, really cool, I think, to watch you and your dad coaching together. That's something that was really, really special. And, you know, uh, just seeing you, you're a human being, right? Seeing the different emotions of a sideline, I think, is really, really fun. And, you know, those those offensive guys are always always doing their best to put up points. So it was it was a really, really unique experience. And just seeing all the different towns in Texas, you know, even at you said or you said at the 4A level, I mean, some of those stadiums are just are just knockout beautiful and in in towns that maybe you wouldn't expect it, but just just oh yeah. A lot of fun memories for both of us, I know. And seeing the ups and downs for through a coach, like on Netflix, there's that quarterback series. Like, of course, you know, players, it's such a human experience. They have to, you know, deal with all those pain. And I think the same way the coaches are dealing with, you know, their own personal expectations, outside expectations, and trying to put together something special. So I know it was it was a year I think both of us aren't gonna forget. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that's why like I have such a respect for you because like you came to everything. You came to our scrimmage when we looked like we were going to be world beaters and then kind of after every week, just trying to piece it together and trying to keep my sanity through it, uh, trying to like juggle so many different things that were going on. And that's a unique experience I know uh, for, for that school. And so just a unique experience for me. And so I just, I just have always had great respect for you. And I think that's why we're such good friends now is because, you know, talking to you week in and week out about that whole process. So it, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, no better place to learn from than from straight from the coach, right? From the guy who writes the books. I think that was it was good to bounce ideas off each other and you know continue to learn and obviously continue to learn today with how much stuff we've been watching. Yeah, so let's jump into it. So really, the topics alive for for this episode is really going to be what are trends in football. Uh, primarily, focus is going to be on the NFL, but we can bring in some college stuff as well. Uh, but the very first thing that I want to talk about is really that there's a continued rise of a two high shell. Uh, I've I've always said like 2018 broke football 
we're in a different era. So you have pre 2018, you can look at, I, I mean, literally you can look at any kind of data, whether you're using true media, PF5, consumer score, whatever, you can use whatever data you want to use, but 2018, something changes. Uh, and so talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing. Why do you think there's a too high shell and kind of also, why do we see this rise in quarters? Yeah, of course, you know, 2018, that first thing you're going to think about and point to is that explosion of the Rams offense, right? Of course, I think they got into a lot of their no huddle stuff that caused a lot of problems from the defense. And you know, Jordan Roderick did an amazing job on her, the play callers on the athletic football show podcast feed. And they talked about, you know, McVay kind of took that through LaFleur, LaFleur from, from Shanahan. So that caused so many problems and really just being able to fit the run from a little bit more depth in order to stop that, the, particularly like that big crossing route in the play action game, I think being out of a two high shell, it gives you so much more flexibility in that way. And just the continued prioritization of look, the passing game is so, so, so effective. We need to be able to stop the explosives, right? Not just fully at the cost of the run, right? You obviously still need to have your big players to stop the run. And then obviously that Rams defense under Staley, having Aaron Donald, a guy like that, that's able to cause problems, make th makes things a lot easier. And I think because we see two more two high shells on the front end of that, we do see a lot more light boxes as well. So where in 2018, you know, that McVay offense had so much success just running straight, you know, wide zone and mid zone to the weak side, really without having to have a fullback. Obviously, they had Cooper Cup and Robert Woods in that way. I think that's forcing defensive fronts to be stronger. And now to me, along with those two high shells, defenses have really evolved to take care of that one back outside zone run game really, really well to the point where offenses are really going to be forced, I think, to, you know, you got to bring in maybe bigger personnel or maybe a fullback there to really expand your kind of running menu. Yeah, and I think the fullback, I don't necessarily think will come back just because I think with analytics and the way that roster building in the NFL, you're not going to put – and especially like when you get a guy – who really is just a lead blocker. You, to me, you get what like the Ravens have done where they just took like a guard or a D tackle and they kind of made a fullback because he's super, you know, he's athletic enough that if we need to throw him in into that, we can. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I think 12 personnel and 13 personnel. I, I know 13 personnel has been a huge talking point uh, in the off season. Um, I think at the lower levels at the high, at the high school and the college level, I think 12 personnel is going to become kind of a, a bigger deal. You talked about, about coverage flexibility and that's the one thing like when you go to why the rise of quarters and something that I've always talked about is really that fluidity within the quarter scheme whereas in cover two just a true blue cover two it not and not really even talking Tampa but just like a cover two system is that that's those safeties have to have these umbrella caps right they have to work to depth they have to cap everything corners are working outside in so you have these voids within the middle of the field which is where again the quarterbacks are, are throwing right in front of them which is always going to be more accurate so I truly believe like why quarters and, and it was highlighted by Belichick in the Super Bowl against the Rams was when you have quarters, you can get these rotations, right? You can get these rotations within the scheme that you might not be able to get if you just run a Tampa two or a cover two or a, you know, what we're seeing now with these non-traditional Tampas. So I think too, that's why quarters is and two, you're all and, and, and also you're like you said, with the capping of the receivers, I've got a defender. I got a DB on top of every receiver. You give me motion, we're even so we can adjust to it. So talk to me a little bit about how kind of the, the Shanahan system in particular, McVay system in particular has reacted to some of these quarters looks. 
Yeah, I think, you know, the Shanahan system are, I always, you know, think of Kyle Shanahan first because, of course, it is very different. Their offense is really different than what the Rams are running under McVay. And they run into the heaviest boxes, right? But they also end up getting the highest amount of cover three. So really one way, I think, to force teams out of that shell is, hey, look, if you're going to match up our, you know, eye right look with your two eye shell and we're happy to run the ball down your throat, eventually I think a defensive coordinator may get a little impatient with that and want to, roll a guy down into that box pre-snap. So having that fullback, I think it's something, you know, we'll see with the Falcons. Whereas you said, you know, yeah, it might not be a dedicated, dedicated fullback, but whether it's a tight end, you know, hybrid body type on the offensive side that can, you know, move gaps one way or the other. I do think that's an effective way for offenses to, you know, they got to do what they can to get you out of those two high looks. But also, you know, if a team is happy to stay in some form of quarters, you know, quarter, quarter, half, half, quarter, quarter, they're going to do their best really to conflict the heck out of that you know, quarters flat defender, either if it's on one side or especially, especially when it's a weak, a weak side linebacker, uh, you know, the 49ers, of course, right. have Christian McCaffrey. They're running those choice rats now on both sides that that causes that would cause problems for any defender. But I think using formationally and then taking advantage of that matchup, I think the 49ers are going to be happy to take that running back in space, especially McCaffrey against the linebacker a lot of those times. Yeah. And I think most NFL teams are looking for a pass catching tight end then they want a kind of a hybrid tight end that hey if we need to throw him the ball he can catch it but if we need him to block he can and then your third tight end you're carrying is really kind of a glorified tackle I mean that to me that's where I see this and so why 13 personnel why more 12 personnel well like you just hit it if we go big we're going to, and we start running the ball. What is the natural reaction? We're going to have to get into more of these cover three looks, which then opens up our, we know exactly what we want. We want single high. And, and if you talk to any offensive coordinator, there are, there are certain things that they want to see, right? They, you know, a lot of them that are zone heavy, they love, they, they, they want you to get into an open B gap bubble so that they can get an RPO, right? They, then they want a single high coverage so that they know exactly we have, we have either the underneath quick and I can give it to my quick speedy receiver now on a hitch route, or I can, I know I've got slant routes because we're playing, they're playing match three. It's a lot of rip Liz and outside alignments, right? Off the divider rules, or I know I can get the deep cross. So it opens up our play action game. I think a great, example of this goes a couple years ago when the Packers and, and Aaron Donald was hurt and you had the Packers versus the Rams and so what they did is gotten three by one alignments and they just ran the ball because they knew eventually the safety wasn't going to be the safety was going to have to make a tackle on a phone booth and he didn't right so what is what is what is the adjustment now we bring our safety down we get in these cover three looks and that's when the Packers were able to hit those late those late in the game play action passes in those deep shots to really win the game. So to me, there's a natural evolution in football. We're seeing it. But again, we're going back. We we have to have the framework of this is the post-spread era. So we are in post-2018. Offenses understand how to create space using some of these air raid concepts or these kind of uh, air Coriel concepts that have kind of been meshed with West Coast offense and this this big mishmash of, of offensive, you know, where everybody knows the beaters. So I, I do... I do really think that 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 is, like you said, that's kind of the trend there. I think, you know, cover three on defense is obviously, you know, it's a sound sound coverage in a lot of ways. It's something that it's always going to be around the NFL, right? Cody, yeah. I know your, your show is named Match Quarters, but right, cover three, it's, it's going to be there in some sort of way. And the way that the play action system, particularly, you know, the way that I think Shanahan drew it up really for a long time is to beat cover three, right? You know, that middle of the field safety is going to get conflicted for sure in some sort of way, right? There's almost 
always going to be a, a, a high crossing route, you know, in that, you know, 15 kind of climbing up to 22 area where if that middle of the field safety is going to want to hammer down on that crossing route, there's going to be something coming from the other side, whether it's a big post over the top, whether, you know, they call it a blazer route where they'll expand that cornerback outside a little bit. So the receiver can get up inside there. There's a great example last year from Geno Smith throwing, you know, a perfect ball into the end zone. And they do so much to make the life easier for the quarterback. And if you're a quarterback and you're at base, you're seeing, you know, 50% cover three. I think that's going to just, it just makes your life a lot easier and what you can get to. Right. And so going on with that, like, what are the differences between like high school, college in the NFL from what I've, I've really heard the past couple of years, especially from guys that are, that are around the NFL is a lot more, maybe spot drop a lot more zone zone match. We're seeing a lot less man match at, at the NFL level. I think because you see the game is played in the middle of the field, the talent differential is so razor thin you know, at the college level, especially go look at, you know, the big thing now is everybody wants to run Rip Liz from a too high shell. That's kind of what I've been hearing from a lot of people. They want these coverage rotations. We're going to run a lot of man match. I think the Saban really the last, I mean, think about it. The last five years, everybody on the planet at the lower, the lower levels is trying to learn some sort of cover seven or Rip Liz match, trying to get into the Saban universe, this man match. Well, the problem is at, at the higher levels, you're creating man coverage at every level. So then it becomes a matchup game. That's why I think you see more of these zone match principles at the NFL. And it, and it trends, right? If you go and you look at cover one rates, 2019, we're at 29.4% cover one from and using PFF. That's 29.4% of the coverage is called. You go all the way to last year, that dropped. 10 percentage points almost to 19.8. Why are people running less cover one? And it has to do with those matchups and these over routes. You're creating track meets. As a, I'm a DB coach. I always have been, and, and uh, I played corner my entire life. So it's like, I used to tell my guys, we don't want to create track meets, right? We don't want to get in situations where we're running after guys. Well, when offenses know they've got cover one, Right. Okay, fine. We'll run. We'll run Tyreek Hill across the field. I know that your defender may be good, but he's not as fast as Tyreek Hill. So all I got to do is just make sure that I protect long enough or get some sort of play action to bring in a little bit of space. And then I just got to throw the quarterback just has to throw it right in front of him. So I think that's why we've seen a lot of less match coverage. And I think with more of the run game and getting involved in it, the quarterback run game in particular, we're going to see less and less man match coverage. We're going to see less and less man. It's going to be more zone coverage. Yeah, the quarterback, once you involve the quarterback in the run game, it, it's just such a math changer, right? It's the offense is able to be plus one. I think you see it, of course, with Jalen Hurts. And even, you know, offenses like the Giants are actually really fun to watch because it's not that Daniel Jones has a million carries, but the way that he gets involved, you know, it adds a huge, huge, huge responsibility for the defense. And I think you see it in that 49ers Eagles playoff game where, yeah, linebackers are going to have to freeze at a certain point because someone has to be responsible for the quarterback. And then I think the Eagles did a really unique job in that game. Also, you know, we're going to spread it out. We're going to get it into empty. And, you know, we're happy to have a Kelsey brother pulling up in open space on your weak side linebacker. We have no problem with that as an offense. And I think each year, of course, it's really hard to play man coverage because, receivers are so talented, right? You know, how many times are we going to have to cover Devonta Smith in the slot running a choice route? Right? That's going to be tough. And then also, of course, the rules are in the offense's advantage, right? You, you know, I'm sure you, you'd want your guys to be grabbing a little bit here and there, but the rules just stop that, right? So that 
And then even seeing, you know, the Saints sometimes or, of course, the Patriots, like the Patriots will have this kind of one double robber coverage where it's not like I wouldn't characterize it as cover seven because, you know, those safeties aren't really locked onto a person. They're kind of holding the hash, you know, eye and quarterback intentions. But it, it gets to feel more like, OK, both of these safeties are really, really involved in the coverage in a way that they're not just kind of, you know, that ceiling level of the defense. But yeah, if your quarterback can scramble, you know, you're not going to want all your DBs with your eyes to receivers because once, you know, you break that first level, you see Justin Fields kind of running down the field. So I think you make a really good point, especially with how thin those margins are with, you know, of course, with athleticism at a certain point too, right? Your linebackers can't are able to close in, but offenses, you know, they're, I think they can feel more comfortable sometimes where I'm teaching my guy, hey, look, you know, you obviously have to look at your first read, you know, work to your second one, but take off after that, right? If you can create a play, on the ground, it's it's such it's such a backbreaker for a defense. I think on third and five, when you let up that six yard scramble, and then you have guys like Mahomes, who it seems like he is whatever his speed is, he's just fast enough to get the first down. And that's I think you know it makes you pull your hair out as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too because again, at at the high school level and the college level, we hear all the time about the save and cover seven and how how great it is and all the checks and it answers all these problems and all the different variations of it and the man match. And again, it goes back to they've got dudes at every level, right? Um, I, I never forget, you know, I said one time I was like, what what coverage is it? You know, what's your favorite coverage? Blah blah. You know, obviously I match quarters, but. When I was at Horn, we had five Division One athletes. Well, I'm playing cover one, right? I mean, I've got my middle field safety who is now is now he's at now going to be playing at TCU. We had our Sam linebacker who is now going to be at Baylor playing playing a star for them. Uh, I had two outside corners, one's at SFA, one's at UTEP, and then I had another kid that was a sophomore that's going to Texas State. I'm playing cover one, man. Like and especially like at the six A level, we saw so much RPO. Right. So much RPO. We're playing bracket out of out of a three high, which nobody does. But we we found a way to do it. So we're playing bracket. And then off of that, we're going to play cover one and we're going to we're going to eliminate everything. So I think it's like to me, match three cover one. Uh, it, that makes sense to me at the lower levels uh, quarters coverage when you're playing like nine man spacing because you're playing a lot of run heavy and we've got DBs. I want to cap verticals. That makes sense to me. When you go to the NFL, you go look at what happened in 2019. Everybody was like, fine, you're going to run RPOs. That's great. We're just going to man coverage because again, what is the best answer? And we saw Sarkeesian uh, talk about this a couple of years in, in a, in a coaching clinic. It's like, you guys better have answers for cover one, because that's going to be the first answer for every defense is hey, you're going to run RPOs and you're going to have the quarterback like that. Okay, fine. We know that you want to throw first, not necessarily maybe run your quarterback at some of these places. And so we're going to run cover one. We're just going to say eliminate receivers. Well, we saw that in the NFL. I mean, almost 30% of the calls were cover one. And then you go back to the next year and everybody's like, ah, oh, let's tone it down. And now it's down to a quarter. Ooh, now it's still, okay. We're getting burned. We're getting burned. Now it's down to about 20%. And then now you see that it, it's just constantly going down in the NFL. And I think it's because that in that ecosystem, the quarterback has never really been a running guy. Yes, you've had Fran Targenton. Yes, you've had John Elway. Yes, you've had uh, uh, Steve Young. Yes, you've had Michael Vick. Who Michael Vick? Imagine Michael Vick in this. I, I just I, when I I take a pause every time. I'm like, could you imagine Michael Vick playing now? Like this is the era that he was born an era before. But you see this, and and yes, cover one in these match coverages are great, right? Think about wh- who has Nick Saban always struggled against and it's always been an elite running quarterback why because if you go cover seven and you go spread to run 
right? It, it does end up like two men. And now I know Carl, Carl Scott might be sending laser beams, <laughs> in my head right now. but at the end result, right? Like if we just fast forward through the play to the end result, we've got backs turned, right? We've got capping safeties and we end up, it almost ends up like two men right after the switch. Now we all know it's not two men. Okay. We're not dense, but you know, that has always been the struggle. So you see more zone match coverages. I think that's why you see more zone match coverages in the NFL. And that's what that running quarterback, again, game changer. Now it's introduced into the NFL ecosystem and we're kind of seeing defenses feel their way out. Yeah, I think the cover one point is it's really important, right? I think on off course on a chalkboard, we think, okay, these offenses do such a good job in the RPO game. How do we possibly get people out of conflict? Exactly. You know, you play cover one, obviously that opens up a whole entire another bag of issues. But yeah, the way to get your nickel out of conflict, uh, one way, there's so many, I think, different ways, whether it's, you know, reading the way the quarterback turns, you know, having more of a sling fit kind of thing. But if your nickel is playing just man on that receiver, you know, they don't have a run responsibility. They're not in conflict. And it makes sense. I think offensive coordinators, you know, they do do a great job, right? You know, obviously the Dolphins with the way they get those motions going across. I do think the off the offenses in the NFL have been a little more open to using those, you know, fast motions, snapping the ball exactly then. You know, we're going to take the risk that we're probably not going to get a penalty thrown on this if our guy's working towards the line a little bit. Using that as a way to, to force either defenses out of man coverage or just, you know, creating that natural rub just based on formation, motion, and alignment to cause kind of conflict there. So even when you see less cover one on first and second down, I still, I do think that uh, with the last time I looked at it, you know, cover one's still probably the most popular coverage on third downs. Yeah. And I do think what I've liked from a two-eye shell, you can get to different ways to manipulate one of your safeties, right? Even if you're going to end up with the middle of the field hole safety, you can have, you know, one safety coming down, whether it's in one cross where you're kind of collecting that crossing route from the backside of a three by one, or, you know, a lot of times they'll do it where they'll drop just to a receiver. So it becomes a functional bracket in a way, but you can use your two eye shell, still play cover one and try and manipulate at least one double team. Now, the problem is that when teams have two really good receivers, obviously, you know, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith is an easy example. You're going to have more, more problems there. Right. Cause eventually, as you said, you know, yeah, I know you call it right. Man to man coverage, you know, cat football, right. Just like Saban right. said. So at a, eventually, you know, not that you're going to be exposed, but, you know, it's a, it's such a razor, razor thin margin, I think, such a matchup league in the NFL that once you get one matchup where the offense is comfortable exploiting it, the offensive coordinator is just going to hit that all day. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the thing that you see in the NFL, and that's the choice that you have to make is we're either going to play like a one lurk, right, where the, the, the linebacker is going to be the rat, right, or we're going to play some sort of a one cross where – we're going to bring a safety down as kind of that middle hole cut cross player. Uh, and so that's the, that's kind of what you have to choose from, right. Is, and that's why I think too, with a guy like Bijan Robinson, a guy like uh, Christian McCaffrey, some of these other receive receiver like running backs, it really stresses the defense. And so on third down, if you don't want a coverage bust, what's the best thing that you can do is play man match coverage or play some sort of a man coverage cover one and so as you said it's a matchup league that's why on a lot of third downs what do you get you get empty checks right they're going to send the running back out as wide as they possibly can because they want to see are you going to put a db on them or are you going to put a linebacker on them 
If you put a linebacker on them, we know you're in man coverage, right? Uh, or you're in some sort of specialized coverage. But now I've got a one-on-one -on, -one on the running back. I know that right now. So now I've got – now I'm just going to run some sort of route with the running back that I know I'm going to win with, right? Especially if I have a running back that can that can catch the ball. Otherwise, if I, if I don't like it, I get a zone check. Okay, fine. Now I'm going to bring the running back back in. Now I know exactly what coverage we got. So I do think you do see cover one less on regular downs. Uh, it's still the number one – on third. And I think a lot of that has to do, if you think about it mentally as a, as a defense coach, it's like, look, I don't want to screw up third down. Right. And third down is probably the most game plan down of anything. Okay. Cause you're not running your base defense at that point. You're running a stop because, Hey, this is what they're doing on third and three to six. This is what they're doing on third and seven to 10. This is what they're doing on third and 11 plus. Right. And so I think you have you you've kind of broken it down uh, and you spent more time doing that. So I do think that and you had you had a, you talked about it. Actually, I think one of your colleagues talked about it. You're, you're one of your interns talked about it in a, in a Sumer article here recently about mo mobile quarterbacks and how the scramble game is actually kind of exploded in the NFL and it's making it more difficult. So I am interested to see, too, even at the at, even on third down, how how much more cover one we're going to see. Yeah, McKenna Hack did a really good job, one of our interns at Sumer, on that article, just showing, you know, a lot of different things, but also, look, there are more scrambles in the NFL. And I think that that's going to continue to rise, particularly one, you know, the thing of the rookie quarterbacks coming in, all those guys can move, right? And that is such an important beater to really any defense, right? Especially, you know, we keep on seeing that cover one. And, you you know, you mentioned getting that running back out in formation. You know, obviously, defenses, their empty menu is going to be a little bit less, right? And I think on third down, as you said, a lot of, or it is so, so game plan dependent teams want to get into their pressure packages. A lot of that is tied to cover one, I think, in a lot of different ways where, you know, they're going to have either maybe it's a daylight rush, maybe something like a green dog or, you know, your ends are going to peel in some sort of way. So they feel comfortable, you know, keep that back in protection. You know, let's play with more guys on the back end against only four receivers instead of five. And on the offensive end, you know, getting the Shannon system, all those guys, they love, you know, if you're in 11 personnel, you have one of your best receivers on the same side as your running back and empty as a two side and then a tight end, two receivers the other way. And it does, you know, it forces the defense to declare, especially when defenses, you know, they won't line up their nickel to the passing strength, right? Which, of course, that makes sense. Right. But that's going to mean sometimes if you're a nickel, your weak side linebacker is going to be one-on-one -on -one with the best receiver. And that's something that I think the offenses continue to try and exploit, especially, you know, I think the Eagles did it. You saw it versus the Vikings a lot. And the Vikings defense, it's a it's an interesting point because if the defense, if you're just static, not that you have to move particularly, but if you're going to play the same coverages over and over, you are going to run into problems. The offense is just too, too good at it. You know, I I real I really do love Brandon Staley. I think one of the biggest plays of the year from a schematic standpoint, thinking about it, was that big, big touchdown by the Jaguars where the Chargers play that cover eight where they're playing uh half quarter, quarter with the half to that three by one or to the three receiver side. And you know, Doug Peterson did a great job, right? I think he knew that he was going to get the weak side safety hammering down kind of hard and early. And they can get that number two on that big over where, like you said, you know, they made it a track meet against their nickel. And so I'm interested to see, you know, what is Staley going to pull out? Because I think he's really great at game planning. I think, of course, he comes from a sound system where he can combine different things. And not that he takes from Saban particularly, but he'll use, I think, some of those concepts. So, you know, I, I do think the defense was maybe a little bit ahead of offenses last year uh, as an overall. And I think it, you know, it's going to be time for the offense to punch back. Yeah, it's, it, it always happens that the defenses get a little bit ahead, but it's very short lived. I mean, you go look at the history of the NFL and almost anything. I mean, you can go look at even Tampa, too. It was such a very short lived era 
And it's kind of almost overstated because a lot of those Tampa two defenses really were just cover three heavy. It was the Tampa two on defined passing situations. And they have, you know, monsters like Erlacher uh, who can just run through and Derek Brooks who can just run through the middle of the field, like a, like a safety, but they're at, you know, 235, 245 pounds. So you do have that, but it is short lived. The Jaguars uh, clip is a great example of manipulating a poach safety and being able to get underneath of that. Um, and I also think too, with you going back to your kind of your one cross is that you, if the, a lot of these double crosses, when they know that they're getting zone again, trying to capture that post safety, you know, that, that, that cut safety or whatever. Now I've created a high, low layer. And so now I've got that. Uh, and so I see, I see where a lot of defensive coaches are thinking in, okay, we can man up, but then we can cut a low cross and then keep that middle that post safety in there to cut the high cross as well. Let's rewind it just a little bit. Let's go back to more of the run game. So defenses have now been built to stop the wide zone. Um, and I think it was even highlighted in you, you mentioned Jordan Rodriguez, the, the play callers podcast, uh, it was even mentioned in there is that teams became so good with either a four down wide nine or with it, the penny front five one uh, how to me, the introduction into odd front looks, how are you now going to adjust as an offense? What are you seeing and, and what is trending now? Yeah. I think that the smartest way that teams do it is they're not just running wide zone. They're not running it into the wall, right? Like you right. are going to get stopped in a lot of ways where, defenses they've repped it but also you know the proliferation of coaches from the wide zone system are probably on your team in some sort of way I've gotten so many reps at this i love that kyle shanahan has adapted in different ways and it's not that he's running 50 percent gap scheme but they are more than happy to just have trent williams wash down your four eye right he has no problem right. with that at all you know get someone pulling out especially if you have that your edge defender has a pretty pretty wide nine right he can create a crease there they were, you know, something that uh, I think I saw the term from Bobby Peters first, but they call it counter solid where wash down that front side of the line and your pullers, instead of it being GT counter or GY counter, it's Kittle and use coming down there. Right. So they can have that full front side wash. So I think teams that are more comfortable getting into that gap scheme again, not that you have to run at 50 percent, but just that four, it's a tough technique to deal with. Right. That left tackle, you know, if they want to get out to the next level on on zone, you know, like how are they going to do it if you're not just having them kick out? that kind of wide nine defensive end. So if you can get into gap scheme, you know, get into the counter, I would love to see, you know, a rise of counter force those defenses, you know, are, well, do we have to get back to an even front? Do we have to play, you know, under in some sort of way? So get into those gap scheme looks and create just more problems for the defense that way. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's why at the, at the college level, you saw the, the really the mint and the tight front kind of, a lot of people went more towards a peso. I mean, you go look at which is basically just a, a two, a two, four, uh, five with two stand up edges. So you take a, you take a, a, your, your nose out or you take one of your DNs out and now you're running really an over, over G front um, with, with two backers. Uh, and then two, like the exploration of and kind of the evolution of getting odd spacing within a four down. Right. Georgia with the five man pressures trying to get one on ones with their monster guys. Um, I think that's kind of at the lower levels. That's kind of been the evolution. Now you've got Dave Aranda, who he's got all the tools in his toolbox to kind of 
figure it out, uh, right? They have an answer for everything. When you want to run this gap scheme, we've got this adjustment in the front. So this week you're a counter team or a dart team or whatever you are. So we're going to run this adjustment in the tight front. Uh, but really at that marriage of the four down and the odd front, I think at the college level, that's really where we're seeing this. Whereas in the NFL, it's kind of always been everybody inside, especially in Nichols kind of played gap and half because those linebackers have to be able to read the running back and they have to kind of fit fit more a little bit less on on ball fit um i do think that because the linebackers are now playing slower to the run your interior defensive linemen have to be pretty solid you know i was talking to uh on a locked on packers uh podcast the other day and it was you know what are some of the issues you're seeing within the running because the packers just they were great in secondary uh, but in terms of run, they had the, like the highest rate of explosive runs in the NFL. And a lot of times you're just watching their interior guys get bounced, right? Uh, Dallas, I, you know, I'm here, I'm located here in DFW. So I hear about Dallas and all their problems against the run game, right? Well, what was the major issue with them? Well, again, their interior defensive linemen just are not strong enough to hold up on those double teams when you're playing a lot of nickel and dime, which is a four down front, right? So uh, that is, why do you think the Dallas went and got Magic Smith from Michigan? Like they, it makes sense. You've got to find these guys. Why are we seeing high caliber inside defense, defensive linemen getting paid? Go look at the top. Go look at the top run stopping defenses. I mean, it's the Titans who uh, terrible in secondary, but man, they got a really good front, right? You know, and so it's it, you know the Washington uh, Washington Commanders, another great example. Those two interior defensive linemen. I think anybody in the NFL would take those two interior defensive linemen. The Jets interior defensive linemen. I, what uh, Quinn Williams just got paid. So I think to me. That will have to be if you're going to live in nickel, you're going to live in dime. One, you better have a big safety, which we're seeing. Look what Bill Belichick's doing. He's basically 10 years ago, it was all about his tight ends and hybrid tight ends. Now he's saying, look, man, I'm just going to play defense with a whole bunch of safeties that look like linebackers. Right. You got Jabril Peppers. Uh, you got Duggan. Uh, now they got the Mapu kid from Sac State, which everybody's raving about right now. We'll see uh, if he develops again. Rookies, you never know until they start playing. So I think that to me, uh, the wide zone now that we've kind of contained it gap scheme is coming involved. How are these hybrid defenders going to play play into that? Yeah, I think the the Belichick example is so funny because when you watch their defense, you know, it almost sometimes it can look like that amoeba defense because there's so many there's so much versatility from each of those guys, right? Safeties that can cover, linebackers that can run, and you know, people that they're more than happy to get into that run fit and cause problems that way. So something I do want to see from offenses is a little more obviously, you know, get heavier, right? Force the defense to let me test all those guys out, see how happy they are to really get in that B gap as often as possible. But I would also want to see just more like heavy, heavy play action, like deeper, deeper play action shots. Cause obviously, right. If the defense wants to put a ceiling over, over the offense, you know, blow that ceiling off, right. You know, run right. the the deepest deep post to really, really test those guys as not maybe not as often as you can, but those max protect shots where it's just going to be two receivers, you know, maybe a late check down, but something that it's going to cause, I think, more problems in a different way because I do think defenses are going to have to not necessarily manipulate, manipulate the run fits because we do know a lot of times, you know, from too high, it's usually that weak safety rotating down. So you have your kind of basic things, but, and maybe it's not, Hey, we're going to have our free safety, just plug the a gap this week, but being able to be a little bit more multiple on defense, whether it's, you know, using those run stunts inside where, you know, your defensive end can cut inside having that linebacker kind of scrape over the top, those different things in the run game, I think will be interesting to see. And, you know, you're obviously hoping you're not just getting washed down, but if there's enough space for your linebacker to fill in that gap, I think there's ways the defense can get into different looks. 
on the front end and back end to cause some issues for the gap scheme game or also just deal with some of those new surfaces that they're going to be seeing more of. Yeah. And so I really think, I don't think people are going to go away from the nickel. I don't think people are going to go away from the penny front. If that's what the, the kind of the hybrid way it, and, it, and to me, the nickel and the penny really just depends on what you have on your roster. If you have a, a plethora of inside line, linemen that you feel comfortable with, maybe you got some workhorses like a Greg Gaines. I thought, I think with, with the Rams, he's not sexy, but man, he's a nose and he can control the center. Uh, and so you get guys like that. It's like, okay, maybe we can kind of play a little bit more five one. Whereas a lot of guys are just saying, Hey, let's just play nickel. Let's just get in. Let's get our two edges being boxers, right? Let's get an interior push up the field with our inside guys. Linebackers can kind of slow fit everything. And then we keep our five man front it's a little bit more traditional. Um, so as we see this nickel and these hybrid kind of defenses, offense is getting bigger personnel, obviously is going to be something for the light box. Talk to me about what you're seeing uh, in particular with NFL offenses in, in that nature. Yeah, I think offenses are going to be happy to get you know, those two tight ends on the field. And sometimes like the Chiefs have been using that 13 personnel where they actually have a lot of efficiency out of that because defense has to make a choice at some level, right? Are we going to keep our base personnel out there? Are we going to stay in nickel versus that? And I think you mentioned the penny front and that's a good example where actually the coverage menu on from the penny front is relatively limited, right? It's not that you can get, I think, to every single coverage in the world from penny. Basically, you know, a lot of times you're going to have that uh, that weak side linebacker who's essentially an edge player and that dropping out in some sort of way. So that kind of limits your coverage menu. So offenses that have the ability to get into heavy sets and pass out of that. So if, if the defense is giving you that base three, four look, make that edge guy walk out a little bit, right? If he's not going to walk out there, you know, we can get, get to something quick in the pass game. You know, the drift concept where it's basically just, hey, turn your back, play action, or really quick, you know, seven steps, turn over, find the hole, right? Can we pass out of a heavy set? And then, can we run sometimes out of these pass looks, right? The penny front is, I think, a problem for a lot of offenses because, like you said, covering that center causes a lot of problems. It makes you, you know, when you look at the playbooks and stuff, usually the kind of variations are really drawn up to odd fronts, right? Yeah. Because they don't have the same angles, right? They have the center covered. So can you pass out of those sets and just really keep the defense uneasy in some sort of way? So to me, you know, true balance, true versatility on offense is can we get to our some of our past concepts out of these run heavy looks and not necessarily hey we're just going to run inside zone from you know two by two sets because that's you know a base run i think the defense is set up to stop that but can we really really keep the defense honest and uneasy and feel like on the offensive and hey we're in the right personnel we've gotten to the right formation and understanding it's not just that we need to use motion but do we have purposeful motions right because even right. if the box count isn't something you love you can push those linebackers over or you can, you know, change your account, get the center pulling one way, pulling in the sense of uh, like if he's targeting the center, hey, now we're targeting a different linebacker, right? You know, you're moving the count one way because your motion can manipulate it, right? So can you get to the different balance? Can you understand how to use purposeful motion and not just motion for motion's sake to cause problems for the defense? Yeah, I really think it's kind of the inverse of what McVay kind of established with the Rams was we're going to play 11 personnel, but we're going to have 12 personnel and 21 personnel run run game out of it. So, yeah, we're getting you in these light boxes, but then we're giving you a true power game because I have these workhorse guys at receiver who are not only like Cooper Cup, who is an elite receiver. He's one of the best in the NFL, but he also is not afraid to block. Um, and I think that to me, if I'm a if I'm a receiver coach, right, and I'm and I'm or I'm even a corners coach now, and I'm listening to this and I'm 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 seeing what the trends are, it's gonna trickle down. 
right? As much as it trickles up, there are there are elements of the game that also trickle down. Corners now have to be able to tackle because one, they're they're you're either having to tackle in space, right, off of a receiver who is built like a running back a lot of the times now, or you're going to have to be matched up with a running back, right? I'm going to have to bring him down on a five yard hitch. Okay, or I'm going to have to fit the run on wide zone, or I'm going to fold back in because we're getting these condensed sets. Uh, but at the um, the opposite of that is receivers now are going to have to block, right? If you, you no block, no rock, right? And I think that that to me is one of the things where the disconnect of seven on seven culture with football is that you still have to run the football to to play football. You still have to run. Uh, I you know Kirby Smart's famous line of you have to be able to stop the run to defend the pass. That's it. I mean you're talking about from one of the best defensive minds in all of football. You know he's saying you he's telling you you have to stop the run. So I think it's kind of like I said it's the inverse. Teams are now going to start saying okay we're going to go twelve personnel uh, kind of a at volume. What are some eleven personnel looks that we can get to? What are some ten personnel stuff? Because I mean the Eagles used to the Eagles did a good job too. Sometimes they just go four wide with two tight with two tight ends to to kind of get that space either to spread to run. Or to get those linebackers out of the box, or to with with Goddard to get a hey here's a mismatch on a linebacker, or we now are in predictable zone coverage. We know what your coverage is going to be, whether you oh yeah, they spun down, they're going to declare it because it's twelve personnel, you know. So I think it's kind of that inverse uh, effect, and and you've seen that now the the pendulum swing back. Now we're in twelve personnel. And 13 personnel, we're trying to find 11 personnel plays, but you have no idea on defense because you're you're putting your you're putting your package out there according to what our package is. Yeah, I, I think that I like that Kirby Smart line. You know, it seems like protecting the pass or playing the pass, it's a privilege, right? You do have to earn your way there. You have to be able to stop the run game. And of course, the the modern offense, it's absolutely a passing league, right? I think both of us are are, you know, at least positive on the analytics side. We understand and obviously know that teams like should be passing more and more, right? It is a more efficient play, but Football is never, it is never going to get away from the run game and teams that are able to understand that and force defenses back into getting into heavier boxes, they're going to really have an advantage. And I think something that I've loved seeing from, I think McVay, yeah, McVay is definitely using this in Shanahan too, is that their full blocks where something that makes offense unique, or not unique, but they do a lot of these condensed sets where receivers are, you know, they'll be lined up really almost tight where that edge defender has to kind of peek their eye out a little bit. And the receivers will literally just give, you know, a quick jab. And a lot of times it's enough to mess with that edge defender a little bit so that the tight end can come and clear it out. Or, you know, it's someone if they're picking up that double in some sort of way, they're able to just have a little bit of an advantage because that split second counts. And as you said, yeah, those receivers, they have to block, right? Because I think, you know, the, a lot of times, you know, it's the front side that, you know, wins games, but the backside wins championships. And whether it's that receiver cutting off a of safety, really being able to dig that guy out, receivers that can do that. You see Brandon Ayuk do it a lot more. Debo Samuel will do it too. Obviously, you know, Cooper Cobb and Robert Woods were the classic examples, but receivers that can get the, get their nose dirty in that run game, it makes the offensive coordinator happy. It causes problems for the defense. And, you know, a cornerback that has to keep stepping up, you know, you're that cloud corner in cover six. You know, we want to force, roll the ball off the table. Yeah, make that cornerback tackle, right? You know, obviously Alex Gibbs is more than happy to, what to see cornerbacks be forced to tackle. And, you know, hopefully he's, I think he just got on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. I'm sure he'll end up there. He deserves it. Uh, and yeah, the more cornerbacks that tackle, I think the better better it's going to be for offenses. Yeah, and and really, 
I go back to high school guys kind of sometimes roll their eyes. I, I, I think older high school guys kind of roll their eyes when, when people talk about the NFL and some of these things like, oh, well, that's the NFL. We can't really do that. We don't have that kind of kids. I'll just be honest with you. I, I For my very first year at Midlothian in 2017, I had to go up against uh, John Kitna, who was at Waxahachie High School. And I think that was the most condensed sets that I had ever had to defend, not defending a flex bone team. Um, and we just weren't ready for it. I, my corners were not ready for it. We were so soft on so many different things. And he had these like NFL concepts, I think. And we talk about Shanahan and McVay, but let's be honest, like a lot of these condensed concepts, you know, the NFL is a lot of times is getting in condensed concepts because uh, what do you do when you have a lot of cover one? You get in these condensed concepts and you run crossing routes and you pick each other and you do these these rub routes. Uh, so I just remember vividly that game will always live in my mind of that he got in there and he ran screens out of it. They ran the ball out of it. Uh, we're seeing more and more high school teams get in bunch sets and just run duo right? Just downhill. That corner's not going to make a tackle. Or, you know, hey, we've got this corner. Uh, where's your weakest corner? That's who we're going to set. That we're going to put either go FIB because your boundary corner is just a cover guy, or we're going to do it to the field the whole time because your field corner, uh, you know, is just kind of a zone kid. And, you know, he's soft and you're just trying to keep, you're trying to hide him. Well, we're going to get a duo. We're going to roll it right off the table and we're going to force him to make a tackle. Uh, so I, I remember that vividly as something that I think too, like high school guys, if, if, you want to get some of these soft edges, you run condensed sets because it's so hard for a defense to create a hard edge on a condensed set because I either have to take an outside linebacker, walk him up as a wide nine. Now I've created a bubble inside, right? Or I keep him off and now I have a hard corner who now, and now I've got an edge defender in conflict because now he's got to fit the run, but then also if, if I go play action or anything, now I've got a quick outlet pass. If it, let's say, and two, I think one thing that it, and you see it in the NFL, you see it in flex bone offenses a ton is quick motion to a, out of a condensed set, create a quick three by one. Oh man. It's like stealing candy from a baby. We used to work it. Cause I, we saw it all the time because I mean, Lothian, we were, we were flex bone. So we would get that jet motion and so we have to work these rotations and how do we play this? This is where the infamous Maui call came from of our double switch where we, it's almost turns into a pseudo corner blitz. How do you create hard edges? And luckily I had two corners that didn't mind tackling at Midlothian. So it was, it, we were fine. But that to me, that was always like, what am I going to work on? What am I afraid of? Is like, man, if they get in two by two condensed set, like we're totally screwed. Um, and I think like, we'll like go back to it. You know, the Alex Gibbs, your corners are just as bad as ours in the NFL at tackling. And, and, they got, and it's so true. You know, corners are coverage first mentality, attacking the soft areas on that. Uh, I think that that, that to me uh, is what it is. So 12 personnel, I think it's going to be big, right? And the getting into these different 11 personnel, we'll look. And that concludes part one of our NFL trend series that I'm doing with Sean Syed. Now you can find him at Syed schemes on Twitter. I would suggest that you go to follow him. He drops nice content on offense and defensive side. I know he was more focused on offense today, but Sean and I really became good friends when we talked about defense and when he followed me around as a coach. So make sure to follow him, make sure to follow Sumer sports as well. A lot of those guys over there are friends of mine doing a great job over there. In fact, I, I was just on one of their podcasts just recently. So again, thanks for joining us on the art of X show. Make sure to subscribe, like, and share, and we'll see you next week.